You are listening to John Gerica on SFM. Wrap up the show uh, with scores coming up, but let's wrap up the show. Final guest today, a good friend of the show, Brad Bing is the Managing Director of Sporting Chance. 30 years of working within under-resourced communities throughout South Africa. Congratulations, Brad Bing. 30 years. Did you think you could do it when it was started in 1990? I've lost a lot of hair along the way, John. <laughs> yeah, right. Have you ever had, you're like me, you've never really had hair. Yeah, I was a hippie in my youth. <laughs> 30 years, hey? When you started it, what was the thinking? Well, let me just take you a, a, a few years before that, John. I was employed. Uh, I, I, I kind of couldn't work out what I wanted to do once I left school, and obviously military service came into mm. it. And when I finished that, I'll, I'll never forget um, trying to work out what I want to do in life with, uh, as a young man. <clears throat> and I went to a restaurant with my folks, and... Um, my mom turned around to me at one stage and just said, so what do you want to do? And I still was undecided. And she said, well, why don't you go and play cricket overseas? And at the time, my, my father, Fritz, was um, president of Western Province Cricket. And he got hold of a gentleman called Eddie Barlow, who was then our so-called sports ambassador, if you remember correctly, in the UK. And Eddie set me up to go and play cricket in Derbyshire. And I subsequently did that for five consecutive years, from 85 to 1990, of which I'd come back to South Africa and I would, uh, was employed by Western Province Cricket uh, Union in those days uh, from a coaching point of view. And um, I came back after all, these, all, all the years and I've come back with full of ideas and the passion and understanding the bigger picture of, of where I believe um, uh, sport and South African society should go after, after looking at these international ideas. And... I subsequently thought, you know, I keep passing it on, and quite honestly, I think at the time, uh, it, was, it wasn't so falling on deaf ears, but I don't think people understood the bigger picture. Mm. And that's when I just said, you know what, I might as well go out there and, and do it myself. And on the 1st of September 1990, I registered Sporting Chance, and then subsequently, a week or two later, I ran my first coaching clinics, and um, 30 years later, I'm still <laughs> doing the same uh, programs, but obviously on a larger scale. Programs come and go. What has made you successful? John, I think, I think there's a key component that, um, that well, if you can call it successful, is I'm, I'm, I've always been very strong on the strategy point of view. Um, it's one of my strengths. I sit down and I work out where we're going, what we're doing, what do I want to achieve in life as an individual as well as an organization. And once I've worked out my strategy, I, I put a structure in place to complement that strategy. And, and the structure hasn't really changed over the years. All that's all it's happened is we've tweaked it to, to, to work with the strategy as the strategy's changed. And then what I have done, John, is I've found the right personnel to implement that, that structure and that strategy. And that's been, I think, I think that's been our, our success and longevity throughout the years. It says here, sport speaks the universal language, breaks down barriers, cuts through income and ethnic divides. Mm-hmm. Belief in the power of sport to positively change young lives. But then you look at the big picture and you see the news. Don't you get a little disheartened that you're doing all this work and still people are angry with each other? John, South Africa, well, but I tell you what keeps motivating me is very simple, is that the talent in this country and the natural talent and the raw talent in this country is in abundance. And what motivates me is, you know, I've got a passion for what I do. You know, it's often I sit down and, and, and I also, like you have just mentioned, what keeps me going, especially mm-hmm. when I look at the, um, 
I won't say chamos, but we are in a bit of a chamos on all aspects with regards to our sport. And what motivates me is I know I know how how there are so many people in this country who are doing good, and it's just the the small minority that aren't uh, that are getting a lot of the publicity, John. Mm. And I I know that there are people out there that whose lives I've touched or we've touched as an organisation over the years that are so grateful and they've got to places where they never have got to had it not been for organizations such as ourselves. And I just feel that the where we are in South Africa from a sporting point of view is we've let the administrators dictate to us as the actual players of the game and the custodians of the game, the administrators have dictated to us where the game should be going rather than the players and the custodians of the game dictating to the administrators mm. where they should be taking the game. So that's what keeps me motivated. I think the last time we spoke, we did an outside broadcast and you were doing, what was it, 24 hours of coaching or something silly like that. Uh, the 50-hour sports challenge. Yeah. Talk to me about the coaching of the coaches. To me, that's the most important thing. You know, John, the, the, the two components, very simply, is we, we run coaching clinics. That's the one side of the, of the organization. And then there's the project side. And the project side is, you'll remember, is the... Uh, it was called the Health of the Nation um, 50-Hour Sports Challenge. But that, that, that came out of research that I did. And I was based at the Sports Science Institute uh, in Newlands in Cape Town. And um, I was very fortunate. There was a, a gentleman there called Tim Noakes who I had a huge amount of respect for. And he was always one of those guys who thought out the box. And often those people who think out the box take the most flack. And I used to talk to him and say to him, why is it that certain, a certain percentage of our um, uh, sporting talent in this country had to go to certain schools in order mm. to achieve? Why, was the, um, why, weren't, why wasn't it coming on, on mass, a conveyor belt on mass, out of our, for example, out of our township communities? And one of the things that I did, John, was I turned around to Tim and I said, you know what I'd love to do is I'd love to test children in South Africa from a, 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 a genetic and a scientific point of view and be able to assess where we are as a nation compared to other, other sporting nations. So I went to organizations and we got some money to do it, John, and we tested 10,500 subjects throughout South Africa. Now, our subject is, a, is an individual. So we went into um, uh, urban um, uh, Durban, for example, and we went into complete rural uh, KwaZulu-Natal, mm. as we did in the Western Cape and Free State. And I went to Grey Bloom because, to me, Grey Bloom is a, a significant, uh, it produces massive amount of sporting talent. And I compared it throughout South Africa. I took the Afrikaner who was in the Platteland and the Afrikaner who was in the city. I took the English-speaking guy um, in the schools and the private schools to the, the government schools. I took the rural uh, Zulu and I took the, the, the urban Zulu. And if you, I did all this, and obviously what came out of that, the research that came out of that was, um, was the problem that we had with childhood obesity in South Africa. And that's how mm. the Sporting Chance 50-hour sports challenges came about, right. was to create the um, interest and highlight the um, importance of children leading a healthy and active lifestyle. And out of that, John, came three key components, which I, and I'm getting back to your first question you asked me, the three key components that can make a sporting individual in this country, or in any country throughout the world. First of all, you need access to facilities. And that is why our street cricket and our street soccer and our street netball programs are so 
in such demand when we work go into our township communities because the only facility or, or, or not the only facility one of the only facilities they've got is the street and it's it's the easiest thing in the world is to play a game mm. of cricket in mm-hmm. the street which is no different to what you and i probably did when we played backyard cricket or street cricket when yeah. we were kids so what happened was there's the first one was facilities the second one was you need access to equipment so you and I can arrive at Lords or Newlands to go and play a game of cricket, but if we haven't got a ball in the back, you can't play the game. And the third one was that you need structured and organized coaching, and that is where our coaching clinics came into the organization, John. So you need facilities, you need equipment, and you need structured and professional, well, well-organized coaching. From that, once you've created your interest, John, what you then need is to really make it to the top. And I presume I'm speaking, I can speak for myself because I've had some really good mentors in the past. But you need mentorship. Mm. So I'm sure in your radio career, somebody's taken you aside and, and mentored you to get to where you've got to, where you one of the respected uh, presenters in South Africa. So that was that was came out of the research that Tim Noakes did, and we subsequently from that realised that children up to the age of 12 or 13 create their life patterns, their life norms thereafter they follow. So if you look at all our programs, our project programs, and our coaching clinic programs all focus on children between the ages of, of 13 and below to the ages of about 4, 5, and 6. Sure. So that's how we've structured our organization over the last 30 years, John. I think I've asked you this before. You're down in the Western Cape. Why have you not grown? Why are you not everywhere in the world? John, funny enough, um, we've often wanted to launch into other uh, parts of South Africa, but it's, it's a financial thing, John. You know, I just... Um, You've got to understand that I'm offering a service. I'm not offering a commodity as right. in a, a product. You know, it's easy to market a product, but I'm, I'm, I'm marketing a, a service. And if that service isn't on the, of a high standard, then, then, it's, then it becomes poor. So I've obviously, our projects are very easy to run because we will run street cricket and street soccer and street netball, which is what we're doing in the rollout to the 2023 Netball World Cup that's taking place in South Africa. So those are easy to run, uh, roll out. Often people say to me, where do you get the children from? And you've got to understand, John, very simply, the, because I've been doing it for 30 years, a lot of the, the, the coaches that we use are, are, are used to be the children 30 right. years ago. <laughs> yes. So there's a, there's a, what, our business model is very simple. There's a, there's a, a cycle to it. And if you, if you work it out, <clears throat> there's a circle to it in the sense that you start off as a young man or a young person, for that matter, and you, and you go through from the ages of 4 to 13, and then from 13 to 16, and when you get to 17, you start coming back to coach for us, and we train you up. And mm-hmm. then the, the, the circle just kind of keeps, keeps going forward. And it's a, it's a very simple business model, but you're so right. I mean, what I've been wanting to do, John, for many years is I'd love to partner with a major corporation in South Africa, or for that matter, matter government, and help them roll out a program. But unfortunately... It just hasn't materialized, and it's one of those things I must admit that it's, if you said to me, um, has there been a, a weakness in our business model, it's the fact that we not all over South Africa the way we should be and, uh, and, and implementing our programs. You kind of hope in this case that COVID is the, that reset button and people will look at things differently, and there, there are a number of these initiatives and things in our world that are changing, and COVID has forced that to change. Do you think that sport will be one of those, or do you think sport is going to suffer in the next three or four years? 
uh, John, sport, sport won't suffer. Sport is just going to continue the way it is, and it's going to get better and better. You know, I'll give you an example, John. Um, um, during COVID, we, we sat back and, and I was concerned about our brand kind of falling flat during, during COVID. And, mm. and I sat our staff down before, a month before it was going to happen. And I said, okay, guys, what are we going to do? And what we did was we actually created on our social media platforms a, a daily sports challenge where we pumped it out to tens of thousands of people out there at, at sports challenge. And they then did the challenge themselves and sent us back the video. And if, they, if the video was humorous and they did it correctly in a certain amount of time, they actually won a, won a prize. And nice. you know, prize, I went to Ann Villas from um, Opal Sports, who's got the Gun and Moon Summit brand, and she was outstanding. She just said, Brad, I will support you 100%. Mm. So guys were winning soccer balls and netballs and rugby balls, etc. And then what we did was we turned around and said, cheapers, how do, we, how do we get people to actually see what we're doing from a live point of view? And then I went to the Disney brand. I said to Disney, guys, this is what we're doing. And they said, fantastic, Brad. So for an hour every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, we actually ran virtual um, coaching sessions during, during lockdown. So to answer your question, I can't see sport going backwards. I can only see sport going forwards. And the way I really believe that the way it's going to go forward, John, is and again, this boils down to sponsorship because I don't have the money. <laughs> it boils down to um, creating virtual uh, coaching videos in, in, in sport, different sport codes, be it soccer, doing the header, mm. or using your left foot and your right foot in the trapping of the ball and trapping it in your chest, etc., and the passing and the dr- drills. Putting those one-minute videos together and sending those out to tens of thousands of children on a daily basis so the guys in the plus line can actually understand mm. Uh, the, the actual sporting uh, skill that they've actually got to perfect. Because I can tell you, John, when I go around South Africa from Kwamashu in KwaZulu-Natal to Katlaong to Shoshongove uh, to Kalecha to all over South Africa, I, can, I, I cannot emphasize the point where I tell people you've just got no idea how much talent we've got in this country. The hiccup comes in, John, is we've got administrators in this country, too many of them administrating for their own self um, importance than actually administrating for the for the importance of, of uh, enhancing the, the actual sport-specific sport code in this country. That's exactly what our previous guest said as well, also in development of sport. Brad, it's been an honor speaking to you. Thank you very much. Here's to another 30 years. Congratulations. Keep it up. Well, thanks, John. I really appreciate uh, your input and Helen Mitfach, who's been a tremendous support to me over the last uh, many years that she's uh, been at SAFM and thanks to you guys. Brad Bing, Managing Director at Sporting Chance. 30 years they've been around. Now go find out more about sportingchance.co.za www.sportingchance.co.za